0: And we're taking the word failure today, or fail, and the subject is titled, Christians sometimes fail. Isn't that nice to know? You said, I'm I'm not the only one? No. Christians, plural, sometimes fail. Now I've had people come to me and say, you know, I, I just can't get with this Bible thing because, man, it's got all these bad stories in it. In fact, there's some clown I just heard about the other day is trying to get the the uh, Bible marked pornographic because of its verbiage, and it's uh. the wonderful thing about the Bible is that it portrays man as he really is. When you've got a King David who's A man after God's own heart, here you run over here and see him committing adultery and murdering the husband of the woman he commits adultery with. And then in Psalm 51, repenting of his horrible sin, and God blesses him, uses him. Now, I wish that part of David wasn't there. I wish just this part were, but this part is there. And God doesn't whitewash it. When you take the Apostle Peter and you see him powerfully ministering, he's over here denying the Lord. And you can relate to him, right? Hello? Yeah, okay. And then you have Moses over here leading the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage. But here he is over here beating up on a guy until the guy dies and he buries him in the ground trying to cover up his crime. And he gets pointed out. So the guy who did all this, over here doing this, he failed. And then you have people like Ananias and Sapphira and Acts who lie and cheat right in the church. And they're members. They're over here singing, a mighty fortress is our God. They're over here lying and cheating. Failure. And what about Judas? He's over here. Come on, Jesus, get him! Yay, Jesus! He's over here denying with betrayal that he even knows the Lord. Ah! The Bible shows it all. And then you have two letters from Paul to a church at Corinth. They're called Corinthian letters. And what are they? They're letters of correction for the Failure of those people, chapter after chapter. Hey, wake up. This is the way it ought to be done. Paul is trying to get them on the right track because they're failing in their relationship. And now, Wednesday nights, we're going to start the seven churches of Revelation. Folk, God had to rebuke every one of them in some way. I know thy works, but... See... That's a unique part of this book. It shows us just exactly what man is like. The victories and the defeats. And it hasn't changed human nature in all these many centuries. question is, why is all of this recorded? So that we might be alerted to the fact that failures occur within the body of Christ. Believers will stumble and fall There is no pretense of perfection in the Bible, except for Jesus Christ. And people who say, ah, you Christian, you're all the same. Well, hallelujah. (laughs) There's no pretense of perfection in here. Never said I'd be perfect. And it never said you'd be perfect. And so here we are together. Sometimes we fail. Our text declares that we should restore a person taken in a trespass for this reason. Oh, here's the reason. Looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. In other words, you may be in the hot seat next time, so you better treat this person Right. You got it? That'll help you. Jesus cautioned us, and I love the way he did this in Matthew 7. I think it's the third verse. He said, why do you look at your neighbor's eye with that little speck in it when you've got a log or a plank coming out of yours? (laughs) That is so picturesque. I just see that. This guy up there looking at this little speck in his neighbor's eye when he's got this big plank coming out of his own. Jesus says, why do you do that? Well, we must be honest about our own failures and our own weaknesses. That's what Jesus was trying to get us to recognize. Hey, don't go around snooping into your neighbor's affairs. Look at the thing coming out of your own eye. You're supposed to be aware of your own failures and your own weaknesses. So here we are. Now, I have three R's to leave with you from this text today. The three R. Restore, reflect, and respond. Restore, reflect, and respond. Now, the word restore is in verse 1. Restore such an one. Now, how can you do that? Only with love. It's amazing what love will do. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 8, Love covers a multitude of sins. Why do you keep loving your children even when they disobey you? Because Love does that for us. Why does the pastor keep loving you even when you blow it? Because that's what love does for us. Why should we love one another even when we fail? Because that's what love is about. Love covers a multitude of sins. Ephesians 4, 32 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, which ends with these words, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Praise God. Love does that. A noted doctor has listed several emotions which produce disease in human bodies. Here is what he listed. Fear, frustration, rage, resentment, Hatred, jealousy, envy, self-centeredness, ambition. Then he said, the only antidote to all of those is love. The only antidote. You can't get it in a bottle. You can't go down here to pay and save and buy it in a bottle. It's in the book. Love, love will be the only thing that will heal you of those things, fear, frustration, jealousy, ambition, and so on. Carl Menninger said, love cures people, both the ones who give it and the ones who receive it. Restore such an one. Now, let's take a look at what restoration is capable of doing. It's much broader than simple forgiveness. It seeks to return a person, actually, to his former state. When the apostle says to the church at Galatia, restore such an one, what he's saying is put them right back in the same place they were by your love, your forgiveness, and your discipling of the individual. He is not to be a second-class saint. There are not to be categories, one, two, three, four, five, six, according to goodness, Restore such an one. And that restoration is complete when it's done properly. Now one of the great examples is that of the Apostle Peter in the New Testament. His failure in John 18, 27 is never mentioned again after that verse. That verse says, Peter denied again and immediately a rooster crowed. You all remember that. Peter denied again John 18, 27, but it's never mentioned after that. What is mentioned? When the women discovered that Jesus was risen from the dead, the angel of the Lord said to them, go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is doing or going before you into Galilee. Now, Peter was one of the disciples. So why did The angels say, go tell the disciples and Peter because Peter needed to know about restoration. The Lord spoke through that angel to those women and said, go tell Peter specifically. Jesus will be in Galilee and you can meet him there. Now there's one other part to the restoration of Peter that is so incredible I missed it for years And I've never heard anybody talk about it. It was like God opened it up to me just for today. And it's in John chapter 21. You might want to look at this with me. Such a fabulous revelation from the Word of God. John 21, verses 15 through 17, where Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Uh, Yes, Lord. Third time, Peter, do you love me? More than these up at the top, just above verse 15 in the New King James Bible are these three words, Jesus restores Peter. Nobody has ever talked about that in my presence. I've never heard a sermon about it. I've heard about Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And I've heard all kinds of explanations about what that was for, why he did it three times, and why Peter kept saying, yes, Lord, it was because in that moment Peter was restored to the ministry and to the work of God and Jesus just wanted to get it into his psyche. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. All right, now go out and feed my lambs. And where do you find him next? In the upper room, getting the fullness of the Holy Spirit and standing up boldly to proclaim Jesus to the multitude and 3,000 of them Come to know Christ on that one day and he becomes the apostle of dynamite to the New Testament church. No longer deny. Why? Because he was restored by Jesus Christ following the resurrection with no handicap, no hindrance, no ifs, ands, or buts. Go out and feed my lambs. You're a new man. You're a rock now. No longer will you be a reed. Hallelujah. That's what he wants for you. And me. Glory. You say, oh, that's good. You bet it's good. You need it. Restoration is getting you right back to where you should be, totally. It's not second class. Now, the second word here is reflect. In verses 1 and 4, reading these words, considering yourself, and in verse 4, let each one examine his own work. Reflect what capacity there is in all of us for failure. See, when we come to church, we have the tendency to say, oh, Lord, touch that friend, touch this person, touch my mate. Lord, they're sitting here just... Give it to him today. <laughs> but this thing, reflect, is, is for ourselves. Consider yourself. Let each one examine his own work. And you say, well, I haven't been so bad. Well, what about gossip? Have you gossiped? Oh. My name is gossip. I have no respect for justice I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and wreck marriages. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights, heartache, and indigestion. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. I am called gossip. Office gossip. Shop gossip. Party gossip. Telephone gossip. I make headlines and headaches. I am gossip. And you say, I'm not so bad. All I do is talk. (laughs) Christians fail. Each in their own way. Let's not be hypocritical and self-righteous. I have been getting a series of uh, envelopes in the mail. I immediately took the first set of those to the board. I said, board, here's what's coming in the mail. want you to know about it. It's a handwritten letter from a fellow by the name of Rex who says, since you and I have had love together, I don't understand how you can stand up there and talk about homosexuals. And tries to instruct me and then signs it, love, Rex, with pornographic material stuck behind each page. Uh, Getting set up, gossip, untruth, what can it do? It can destroy character, can destroy a church. And I want you to know about it lest somebody's trying to do something that I can't quite get my finger on yet. But you better believe we're going to try. What am I saying to you? I'm saying, watch the tongue because it can be even as deadly as a knife in the back or a gun to the head. And it's no different in God's eyes. It's sin. So, what capacity there is in all of us failure. Now, there's one thing in the church program that certainly can help us in this matter of reflect, and that's the communion. The communion service is a time of reflection. Let a man examine himself and then let him eat and drink. We come to the table of the Lord to have introspection for ourselves, to look into our hearts and say, is there anything there that ought not to be there? Forgive me, Jesus. I take the bread. I take the cup. In your name, I identify with everything you have done for me and with all of your people. Together, we are forgiven in this moment of all of our sin. Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But a person might say, as they have said to me, I'm afraid of sinning afterwards. That would increase my guilt, wouldn't it? If I come to the table, so I just omit the communion. Listen, if sins after receiving the Lord's Supper were unpardonable, none should receive it till the last moment of their lives. That isn't what it's about. It's about being restored. It's about reflection. It's about examination and it's a statement that right now I am as far as I know as right with God as I can possibly be. So the next communion service ought to be exciting for us, huh? Everybody ought to be present as we reflect on what we are, but what we can be through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you really desire strength, where could you obtain it any sooner than associating yourself with the one who is all power? Jesus Christ at the table where you examine yourself with the communion elements in your hand. There's the first two. You got them? Restore and reflect. Now the third word is respond. Verses 2 and 10. Look at what Paul said. Bear one another's burdens. That requires response. Verse 10. Let us do good to all. There is happening today in Many places that I see a restoration of the laity getting into God's work. Getting up off the pew and saying, I'm going to serve with the best of my ability. Over 600 at the volunteer banquet a week ago last night saying, I want to serve, I am serving, I want to serve, I will serve, I'm responding to my brother's burdens, I want to do good to all, I want to not just be a sinner, I want to be an involver. We have the spirit paper idea. There is an opportunity for hundreds of us to get up off the pew and bear somebody's burden and do good to all by giving them a witness for Jesus Christ. It's happening in prisons and hospitals and everywhere I look, nursing homes, people are volunteering. What can I do? Because in doing, we find we are fulfilling the very law of Jesus Christ. I was at a meeting where someone told me the work this church does at Folsom Prison is the best there is. uh, Edward Orozco, Cleve Howard and others Jerry Budd in the M2 program, out there ministering to the lowly in the name of Jesus and doing it with the power and love of Christ. Thursday night, my wife and I were invited to a home, John Gibson's home, our friend here, because Chuck Colson was going to be there and they invited some friends in. and It was wonderful to see Chuck and hear him share a bit and get his new book autographed by him, free of charge. What a blessing that was. The Body is the name of it. It's about the church. And so since Thursday, I've been perusing this book. And what a book. It makes me miserable in some cases, but real happy in others. So it kind of evens up. It's challenging what it is. And uh, as I was reading it, boy, I came across this chapter about Bob McAllister. South Carolina, who was a media man, rising in the media industry, biggest radio station in that part of the world, that part of the nation, and uh, yet not happy with his life. And and, uh, finally, he quit that job, and he got on with the governor's uh, cabinet in uh, South Carolina. I think his name is Governor Campbell. And in the process, he started ministering at the prison there in Columbia, South Carolina, the Central Correctional Institution, visiting it regularly. And in the process, he met a young man who had committed four murders and left two people badly injured by gunshot uh, in those murders. Four dead, two drastically injured, one young lady with half her face blown off by the shotgun blast. This was the kind of person Rusty was. He got put in prison, and I pick up the story, and I want to read it. One Friday night in October 1985, after Bob had visited a few of his regulars on the row, he was getting ready to leave the prison. It had been a long day, a long night, and Carol, his wife, was waiting for him at home. Before he left, however, he stopped at one more cell. By now, Bob was accustomed to some horrible sights, but he had never seen anything like this. The inmate was sitting on the floor of his cell, looking like a pale, dirty shrimp. The concrete floor was strewn with papers, half-eaten sandwiches, toilet paper, old copies of Playboy and Penthouse. The cell stank, the man stank too, his long, dirty blonde hair and beard matted and greasy. His face was chalk-colored like a rubber mask, like a dead person, And all over his cell, all over the man, crawled dozens of cockroaches. He didn't even move as they swarmed over his shoulders, his hair, his legs. Bob had met this inmate and exchanged a few words with him. His name was Rusty Woomer. Seeing the state he was in, Bob spoke to him, called his name. No response. It seemed like the man was trying to talk, but something wouldn't let him. Bob was a Southern Baptist. He didn't often think in terms of demonic warfare or the physical presence of evil, but that night he knew he was facing it. Satan had a hold on this man. So Bob called on the name of Jesus to cast out the evil and death in that cell. Then he said, Rusty, just say the name Jesus. Call on Jesus. Nothing happened for several minutes. Then the man's lips moved slowly. Jesus, he whispered. Jesus, Jesus. Bob gripped the bars of the cell so hard his hands hurt. "'Rusty,' he called again. "'Look around you, son. Look at what you are living in.' To his amazement, the man slowly sat up straighter, his eyes actually focusing on the floor and walls of his cell. They widened as he saw the roaches. "'Your cell is filthy, and so are you,' Bob said gently. "'The roaches have taken over, and you're spiritually a dead man, son.' Jesus can give you something better. Don't you want to pray to give your life to him instead? Rusty nodded, his eyes glistening, then streaming with tears. The first tears he had wept in 15 years as his heart cracked open. He bowed his head like he remembered from his childhood. Jesus, Rusty prayed, I've heard a lot of people. Ain't no way that I deserve you to hear me, but I'm tired and I'm sick and I'm lonely. Please forgive me, Jesus, for everything I've done. I don't know much about you, but I'm willing to learn, and I thank you for listening to me. As Bob left that evening, he hurried through the night to his car, chased through the dark by a sense of terror he had never before experienced. Once again, he prayed, in the name of Jesus, and whatever the feeling was, it left him. On Monday, Bob could wait no longer. Had Friday been a dream? Had he imagined Rusty Woomer's transformation, the sense of struggle not with flesh and blood, but with powers unseen? After work, he drove to the prison and made his way to death row. The guards let him in, good-naturedly joking. We're going to have to get you a cell of your own if you're going to spend so much time here. Bob laughed with them, but once he was cleared to enter, he almost sprinted down the long road to uh, to Rusty's cell. Once there, he stopped short, breathing hard. He couldn't believe his eyes. The walls were clean, bare, and glistening from the scrubbing they had received. The smell of disinfectant still hung in the air. The garbage was gone, the bed was made, and the roaches were history. Rusty stood smiling and erect, enjoying his surprise. How do you like it, he asked. I spent all weekend cleaning out my cell, because I figured that's what Jesus wanted me to do. Rusty said, Bob, his heart swelling, it may have taken you all weekend to clean your cell, but it took Jesus only an instant to clean Your life. Hallelujah. What a story. A relationship that continued until Rusty's electrocution in 1990 in the electric chair there in South Carolina. Leaving a testimony of discipleship and faith every day of his life following that Friday night. Neighbor, listen to me. So you fail. Say, Jesus. Jesus. You've never come to him because of the heavy burden. Say, Jesus. That name liberates the captive and sets the bound free. The demons of hell cannot stand in the face of that name. Jesus. He took the keys out of the devil's hand. He controls them. And he can give you victory and freedom. Then you can do good to all men. You can become a Bob McAllister. Just breathe his name. What are you waiting for? We have a chorus that goes, lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, lift him up for the world to see. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus is his name. As I prayed and prepared for this service, my heart was skipping rapidly in my chest to think of what I believed God wanted to do in the lives of people who have been wrapped too long in bondage, wrapped too long by failure, and you just felt, well, there's no use. Read the name Jesus. It will open your eyes. It will open your heart to a brand new world. It will open your heart to the one who can deliver you from anything and everything. If you just trust Him, doesn't matter. He died for all of it. He conquered it all. All you have to do is say, Jesus, and mean it, Jesus, I believe you can help me. I believe you want my life. I believe you want me to respond to this world by bearing others' burdens and doing good to all men. Jesus, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I don't feel like I ought to say another word. You're here. You're in this room. You're walking these aisles. You're reaching that nail-pierced hand out to touch the brow of people. Lord, they fought, struggled. And yet they've come defeated. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Set them free. In the name of Jesus, be free. Say his name, everybody. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Jesus. Lord, those who have never found you. Let them break out of their sinful past into victory today. I want everybody to stand, please, in the same spirit of reverence and awe. Search me, O God. Know my heart today. See if there be any wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I want those of you whom the Spirit of God is speaking to your being drawn by the Spirit of God. I want you to race out of your seat down to this altar. Bow your knee as we sing together. You've been bound by things, fettered failures of the past. No longer, no longer. Jesus is your friend. Come as we sing from everywhere. Come quickly. Search me,
1: O God. Thank you Jesus Try me Let Jesus touch your life Let Jesus have your life It's Jesus that you need I pray
0: Hallelujah Don't walk out with your failure Come to Jesus Come to Jesus
1: Hallelujah.
0: verse again Randy that first verse let me just encourage you friend don't walk out of here defeated you say well do I have to come well maybe not but I sure want you to and I feel the spirit of God wants you to it's sort of the breaking of the hold. it's a declaration of faith in Jesus more need to come as we sing feel free to come people will pray with you Jesus is here Let's sing it again Search
1: Search me oh. Set me free. Hallelujah.
0: Lord, I just want you to know how much I love you today. How much I appreciate you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice for us and for the power you have to redeem us from anything. Let us walk in victory. Let these who have come to the altar receive great victory. Release in the name that is above every name, Jesus' name. Let the church be mighty for God. May we get up off the pew and do something for you. Help us to get involved where there's ownership, Lord, in kingdom business, using our gifts and abilities and our finances to reach men for Christ, to respond today to the word of the living God. Oh, God, let everybody know how much you love them and how much I love them and how much the church needs to stand together to restore, to help, to build, to love. We extend our hands to each and our love to each through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. For
1: thine is the King
0: I'm going to pray. This place is a place of prayer. May God's love fill your soul, fill your heart as you go.